and what it did. Yes, there is in fact a detour. Welcome to the Simple Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Max Lieberman, and this episode's intro was brought to you by Detour, aka Deshaun, Deshaun Schwartz, aka Deshaun Traxon. You can find him on Instagram at prod.detour, as well as Spotify and SoundCloud by the same name. This episode is a really special conversation. It's with a friend, a good friend of mine, Anna Albers. And over the years, we've had many, many conversations. And I wanted to bring one to the forefront. Now, Anna, over the past year after college, after graduating college, took a leap of faith and she moved to Hawaii. And so I wanted to talk to her about her experience with that, taking that leap, overcoming the fear, possibly some stigma, some judgment. And, you know, since doing so, she's found herself to be a lot happier, more in tune with herself. And she's taking care of her mind, her body and spirit much more than she was before. She's following her passion. And I think it's just such a great story that I wanted to bring um, to the forefront. So I really hope you like this episode. And if you do, you can find me at Twitter at Max G Lieberman. Or if you prefer email, you can send me an email at thesimplebrand at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And without further ado, I give you Anna Albers. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Simple Stories podcast. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Stoked to be here. So you've made a, um, a pretty big move recently. Um, you know, post-graduation, you go from Pittsburgh to Colorado and now to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. How did you decide, you know, after graduation, you were going to pack up stuff and, and ship out ship out west to, to the, the, big, the mainland or to the, not the mainland. <laughs> the not, mainland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... I guess this whole dream kind of birthed uh, in between my junior and senior year of college. And I was working an internship, the classic, you know, after junior year internship, that's like, you got to get a good one. Everyone was like, you got to get a really good one. And so I grinded, got a good one, was stoked on it, did it. It was, it was whatever. It was, it was, it was tough. It was, you know, going to the office every single day, you know, like seven to six, usually like the hours are pretty intense. Um, didn't get to see the sun that much kind of messed with my mental a little bit. And at the end of that, I was like, okay, geez, I have one more year of school and I guess I'm going to just do that again for a lot of years after school. So I kind of got wigged out a little bit and I was like you know what like I didn't study abroad I didn't do that whole path in college I stayed in Colorado and I was like I'm just going to take some time and travel and figure things out this is of course before we knew about coronavirus and we knew what was going to happen so I was like I'm just going to launch and set off for like a little bit a few months so I went on this app called Workaway which basically just links people that want to work uh, do like work trades around the world and then hosts that are willing to host these people. Um, usually you get like free rent and free food in order for, in, in exchange for doing some sort of work on the land or being a nanny or whatever it may be that they have you to do. And 
I got on this website just randomly in my bed one day, one afternoon, and I messaged one person and I was like, all right, I don't know if this is for me. Kind of closed the computer, went off, hung out with friends. And I got a message back from this one girl saying, hey, we need someone to house sit in Maui uh, while I'm on the mainland doing a road trip. I'm like, okay, I'm in, easy. Like what? Like how is it the first, per- it, it, the timing of everything was so beautiful and it just lined up so perfectly. And in that moment, I knew like that was a sign to go and it was just, it happened too easily. So called up my partner. I was like, we're going to Hawaii for the summer. Um, did that, came here for the summer and ended up obviously falling in love with this place and the nature and the food and the people and the culture. And uh, the woman came back and we actually ended up getting along really well. And I ended up renting one of her uh, properties that she has. And I've been here ever since. So that's kind of the story. Wasn't always planned to be here for this long, I guess. But um, I was kind of open to wherever the wind might take me and was kind of flowing with that. And this is where I ended up and I'm not mad about it. So. Yeah, no, I don't think you can be mad about hanging out in Hawaii. Um, I love that. That's great. Um, you know, I, I think that there's probably a lot of fear that comes up when you're going to take that kind of leap. Um, really? How did you kind of manage that? Like, I, I know that like, oh, hey, one thing leads to another and you kind of follow that. But you also have to have the courage to allow that to, to follow. Right, right. Um I think it was, there would be more fear in staying what, in what was comfortable for me. So there was like two paths. It was either fear of the unknown or fear of being stagnant and being comfortable and being where I'm supposed to be in life. There's two like avenues of fear. Um, and I, I, was, I was more attracted to the unknown side of fear. Um, that seemed less scary to me than sitting in an office every day, not seeing the sun that often, uh, maybe not getting to collaborate, collaborate, communicate with people um, as I like to and kind of be doing, doing more independent work. That whole uh, lifestyle, that quality of life was more scary to me than not knowing what the hell I was going to do. Um, so I, I, I think that path of unknown, it was just always, it's always been kind of exciting to me, but especially coming out of college and and coming out of those jobs and those internships, I was ready to not know what the heck I was going to do with my life. And that, that excited me. Um, and also with that, just, I, I, I had the mentality of, oh, I'm going to only, only going to be here for two months. Like I didn't have this mentality of, oh, I'm moving here. So that helped of course, as well. And when I got here and I started eating this food and just surrounded by all of this nature, I made this really interesting observation that nature has this divine order to it, this divine trust in, in the universe and the world and our creator that they don't have to worry about whether it's an ant, like a bug or a shark or a plant, like sitting in the sun, they don't worry about where they're going to get their next meal or where their nutrients are going to be supplied from or how tall they're going to grow and how they're going to look. They don't worry about the shit that they did in the past or the things that they're doing in the future. They're, they're have this divine trust in just being who they are present in that moment because they, that's how, that's how the world works. It's so intricately designed. And we as humans with complex brains have a hard time returning to that origin, that divine path and, and logos of nature 
And I think I've learned, and I think all humans can learn a lot from nature in that way to, you know, practice that presence and to not live in, 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 you know, neither memory or imagination, but to live now um, and trust because it's all, it's all working. It has worked. Look at, look at the plants, look at the animals, look at nature, look how the world has operated. Um, but when humans get involved, we're like, how's this going to come together? And we get so worried and freaked out. And it's like, that fear is, can be so diminished if we're just like, wait, it's all working so perfectly. This was all designed so perfectly. And you take nature as like a perfect example of that. So I think that was helpful as well. It, it, it's almost like um, the, the blessing that humans have is also the biggest curse because right. um, I forget who said it, but somebody said, you know, most of life is an illusion, right? The past is, um, you know, the past is memory right. and, and the future is imagination. Right. Um, and we spend so much time thinking about both that the present moment is, is never totally grounded. Right. We live in both drops for sure. So, you know, what are some of your daily practices or weekly practices that kind of bring you back and, and kind of ground you? Um, in, in enjoying the present and just like enjoying the what's, what's around you. Right. Um, so one of the big things that I've been trying to do is I think I think technology and my phone in particular is one thing that really, uh, you know, encourages that behavior of living in memory or living in imagination because you see old pictures, you see, you know, places that you've been and, and you are living in those times. And not that that's a bad thing. I think it's important to reflect and to have great memories, of course. But, or, you know, or to, to imagine and see something you've never been, you've never been to this place, you've never tried that food. So you're imagining the taste and the smell and the sounds and the sight. And that this little device is, you know, uh, such a tool to get you there and to let you live somewhere else. It's an escape. Uh, so what I've been trying to do at least for, for the morning, uh, every morning for the first hour of the day, I try just not to touch my phone um, and just be as present as possible during that time. Um, and what I found is, first of all, I get a lot of stuff done in that hour. <laughs> and also it's, it just allows me to, uh, focus on like presence throughout the day because you're practicing that in the morning and it becomes like a habit throughout the day. Um, I, I find that, you know, the first thing you do when you wake up kind of sets the tone and sets the mood for the rest of the day. Uh, so that's been super helpful. Um, and then just, uh, like simple practices, like where if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling like, whoa, I'm like not here right now, just to list out things like, what are three things I can touch right now? What are three things I can see right now? What, what can I hear right now? Um, what am I feeling right now? You know, listing right now, what are the, you know, 10 elements, our senses, go back to our senses and like what we can touch, feel, see, hear and list them out literally out loud or on a piece of paper. And I think that's also super grounding and it'll bring you, bring you back to center, bring you back to the moment. Um, and then of course, just getting your feet in the grass or on the ground uh, without shoes on is definitely like one of the top grounding practices that I uh, recommend for sure. <laughs> literally grounding yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. So real. it's so real. That's great. That's awesome. And, and, um, you know, to get back to this piece about, you know, internships and, right. you know, traditional route, which is somewhat of a known 
path maybe right. versus the unknown path. Um, you know, I, I think that there's probably a lot of people who would kind of like to go down an unknown path, right? but they're, you know, drawn to the safety net. Right. What would you, you know, what would your advice be um, if someone is kind of interested in, in the unknown, but they, they just haven't been able to take that, that leap yet? I mean, honestly, like, pardon my language, but it's really just saying fuck you to fear when it comes down to it. Like, it's, it's scary. Like, what could come from trying something, whether, you know, whatever that may be whether it's like, even if you're scared to ride a bike or whatever, and you ride that bike, like it's what could be and not ever seeing that I feel like should be scarier than, than actually trying it itself. Like the out, not being able to see what could possibly happen is scarier. Um, and I understand that safety comfortability is so important. And there's aspects of my life that I'm like, no, I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. But uncomfortable being uncomfortable, of course, is where you grow and uh, being stagnant. is just not going to, it's not going to progress your life. And I just want everyone that, you know, is old is 85 86 is sitting there is not sitting there with you know regrets of what they they should have done or what they could have done um or damn what would happen if i picked up that guitar when i was 15 when i was considering it or what would have happened if i you know just booked that plane trip and and visited that friend you know there's all these things it's like what if what if what if and we can just minimize the amount of uh what could have happened and uh, at least at the end of the at the end of the path, it's like, hmm, well, at least I tried it all, and this is how it happened. Um, so yeah, it's it's comfortable to stay in in safety and to stay where it is comfortable, of course. But you're never going to grow that way. And if growth is important to you in any aspect of life, then you'll prioritize putting yourself in in the uncomfortable moments and the uncomfortable feelings uh, for the reason of growth alone. I think that's really important. And whether you love him or hate him, Jeff Bezos had this similar framework. It was called, I think, the regret minimization framework, where mm-hmm. he would actually put himself in his 85-year-old shoes and look back and try to look back on his experience and say, would I have regretted or would I have regretted not yeah. doing this? And yeah, I think you bring that point up. It's really interesting to think about you know, not having, not building up these, I wish I could have done this, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, Have you noticed that you're changing, your your thinking has kind of changed as you've started to to grow and and kind of embrace the unknown a little bit compared to what you had thought things were going to be? I think so. Um, This embracing of the unknown has also taught me to question a lot of things, every everything, um, which is important, just asking questions in general and actually finding the courage to, you know, seek out answers, whether that be in an online community or to people or when it comes to nature or if it's in prayer, whatever it is, um, asking questions about, you know, the way of the world and the order of the world and why things are happening and why pieces are moving um, has opened my eyes a lot. And I think ignorance was bliss for a lot of my, uh, a lot of my youth. I was just like better just to not know because that's scary. And I don't, 
that's that's a you know rabbit hole that I don't want to go down but as my mind expands and as as I'm growing um I found that I'm questioning a lot more which is teaching me a lot more and I'm seeing a lot more through that and it's just this constant ebb and flow of uh of knowledge and uh understanding and questioning and I'll never and that's the thing I'll never I don't know anything really. I don't know anything at all. This is all just my perception of, of my environment and my world and what I've seen um, and what I've heard. You know, this is just a projection of my perception. I don't know anything really. And I don't think any of us really do, you know? Um, but it's that understand, it's that mutual understanding and it's just that, com you know, community effort for trying to be better and know more about ourselves and the surroundings so that we can create the best uh, environment we possibly can, I guess, which is, and, that was very long-winded. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it seems, it, it seems like there is a somewhat of a desire even to return to the state of childhood in the, in not in the sense you know, because ignorance is bliss, but there's also that like that childhood wonder where because of ignorance, you experience that bliss. Totally. Um, where you like don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like there's a different relationship that a child has with the unknown than right. when you mature. Right. I think it's really exciting as a child, like that is our inner child is our curiosity. And I like, you know, you probably remember as a little kid when you went through the phase of well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Every single thing. It's like, can I open the door? No. Well, why not? Because you're going to fall out. Well, well, why will I fall out? You know, and it's that path and path. And, and I think that that's so interesting. I think that that's almost in a way coming back. Now here I am 22 years later and it's like hitting me again. Um, I don't know what that time frame in between really was. I don't know if it was, you know, the systems and the institutions I was in or, or what it was that made me like block out the the curiosity that I had always within me. Um, but it's interesting because I think it's, I think it's revitalizing. I think it's coming to the surface again. What do you find yourself having the most questions about? Um, and, and what do you find like is most worth exploring now? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of my questions spur from like, uh, how can we use what's naturally around us to help uh, benefit and facilitate our own uh, bodies and minds and our own personal journey? How do these components of the natural world interact with us of the natural world? And how can we most uh, integrate the two? I think that's been on the forefront a lot because I I know for a fact that, you know, how, how medicinal nature can be, mm -hmm. um, whether it's actually in taking it or experiencing it. Um, I'm not talking about eating shroomies and tripping out I'm talking <laughs> about like general, like, like literally what we can consume and, and right. superfoods and, um, the nutrients that are available, you know, that have been placed on this earth very, you know, in like, on purpose for us to, you know, consume and to heal and uh, how it just works with our natural system. That whole relationship is fascinating to me. And I'm uh, exploring that right now. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I, 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 I really do see the value in, in eating, you know, organics and what's natural. And 
I, you know, I think that there's like, it's funny, right? Because when we think about the human experience, we think about technology and how everything has advanced and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I watched on Netflix, uh, Kiss the Ground. I've heard about it. I've heard really okay. good things. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but. Okay. So, um, you know, I won't spoil too much, but there's this idea that like the soil, right? Like because it's been tilled so much, the organic nutrients hasn't really been able to regrow because it's tilled and tilled and tilled. And there's this new like kind of organic farming that's happening that's able to produce better crops year after year without using all the pesticides and the chemicals. Right. And it's funny that like we think about ourselves as this technology, technologically advanced society where we've built these tools to exist in a world that didn't have them to begin with. Right. You know, like you, you bring up this idea that like nature doesn't, you know, doesn't worry, it doesn't stress how what's going to happen next. Well, you know, you know, sure, birds use tools to kind of open nuts and things like that. And and tree, but trees, you don't see them like, <laughs> no, you know, using things to to grow their own performance. Right. Um, so it's a really interesting question. I see you asking. Yeah. It is with the, now I'm just like picturing like all of these like things and technology and like drills going into the ground and, and right. it's all for, you know, just mass food consumption, which is a whole nother trail, you know, to go down. But it's so like, it seems so unnatural, you know, when you're seeing all of this natural land in, you know, intricated and facilitated with technology in this way. And that even goes to like, you know, the phone towers and the 5G and the EMFs and all that. It's like, this is so like, not how it was supposed to be. Um, and there's a lot of aspects of technology that are amazing. And we are so advanced in that way with something that we've created. But I think that there's a, there's a boundary and there's a line uh, that, you know, we can't, we shouldn't cross with nature. And I don't know exactly what that definitive line is. I don't know really what that looks like, but uh I think that we've crossed some boundaries for sure. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting um, because I think the demand for technology and the want for that and the need for that and the push for that is so high and so strong and the money involved is uh, obviously overwhelming. So I don't think it's, I think it's only going to get more intense and I think it's only going to infiltrate uh, our world and, and the natural world and the nature even more so, which is a bit upsetting, but hopefully um, with that, some sort of positivity can come out of it and at least some good uh, for everyone can come out of it. And if we have, you know, I know there's advocates and there's activists or people that are trying to save nature and uh, save the oceans and save the land and all of that. And, and uh, I think that those people are really important and we should continue to, you know, fund, fund the rebellion in a way. Uh, <laughs> you got to save mama earth. I think that's uh, absolutely think that's number one so yeah yeah and and i think you know with anything bad there's something good mm -hmm. and um you know i think there's this growing idea that yes technology has you know really impacted the earth in in negative ways but with the revitalization and kind of growth of green technology there's also a chance that technology could be the thing that saves the earth and you know, there's this kind of funny concept, right? Where like, oh, you know, we invented a problem just so we could solve it. Yeah. 
though. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but with that, you know, there are many problems we'll be able to solve with technology, right? Like, you know, certain sicknesses that have been a, a been able to solve with certain funding and technology and like, you know, they did surgery on a grape, right? Like, yeah. Um, that the, the technology there is is could be really important for surgeries going forward. But, you know, it's all about finding that balance. Right. Right. Nature does organically. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's just so interesting that we as humans, like we are a part of nature, yet we're, we have so much trouble finding that balance. And it's always such a like stress and internal battle and community battle to, you know, seek balance. And I really think balance is the key and the answer to most of life's problems um, and, and questions. And nature just does it. So it's like, damn nature like you just always doing it so well like and we're struggling so much and and it's weird because it's like aren't we supposed to be more complex or like high higher frequency or whatever um beings and we still can't figure it out and the simplest things are the ones that you know really have have it down have it mapped down and I think that I think that we need to learn how to all be a little bit more simple in that way um I think there's a lot to learn from nature, as you know, as I've said, like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'm also, you know, um, interested in your experience getting used to, you know, a totally different culture, a new way of life. Um, and I would imagine that there's definitely been, you know, some uncomfortable situations or, you know, struggles with, you know, not being a part of the um, greater island, you know, a part of the greater right. mainland of the U.S. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. What has your experience been? Well, so Hawaii in general has a very interesting uh, history. Not sure if you know much about it, um, but the Hawaiian kingdom basically was overtaken and overthrown by the mainland United States. Like it's, it was not originally our land. We went and we literally captured the queen, kept her hostage until she gave up rights to, to this land that we know as Hawaii now. And now it's uh, been transformed uh, for the tourist industry pretty much. Um, and of course that's brought good money to the lands, but you know, it's obviously not comparable to, to the struggles that the Hawaiian people have had to go through. And it's so unfair and that there, there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't say hate, but you know, it's like, these Hawaiian people, like they, they really were imposed upon in a really kind of gnarly manner. And, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a native Hawaiian language in America, like the, you know, the, the mainland made it so that, uh, the Hawaiian language was banned from being spoken in schools and being taught in schools, uh, for years. And it wasn't until recently that now they're, you know, allowing some classes in, in just, a, just a percentage of schools on, on the island and on the, all the islands. So the people have really gone through a lot here, um, these local Hawaiian people. And it's interesting trying to uh, manage that barrier because it, you, know, you wanna be respectful. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, geez, I don't even wanna be here at all. I don't, I don't wanna be infiltrating at all. Um, but just knowing that you know, I am a guest um, and we are all guests. If you're not local Hawaiian, um, they were guests this kingdom. And we're so, you know, happy to be guests and to just 
treat it, treat the land with respect um, and treat the people with respect and, and walk with aloha and drive with aloha. Um, it's really, really important. And I think that that culture is something that I've obviously never experienced before. And it's an interesting boundary to play because uh, it seems like there isn't much uh, infiltration interaction between, you know, uh, the Hawaiian families and, you know, the people, the, the people that are, you know, European and that are traveling here and visiting here or that may have come uh, and, and started living here years ago. Um, it's not like hostile necessarily, but there's this unspoken, you know, like, damn, like America really did that to you guys. And it's, uh, it's really gnarly. It's really messed up. So that's been interesting to kind of deal with and navigate, but um, obviously I'm not really dealing with anything. It's more them and more giving them constant respect and uh, just showing them that we know what happened and that we honor it. And although we don't fully understand, um, we can, you know, we can imagine and we can respect what they're going through um, and the struggles that they faced. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I think that's really important to honor people's struggles and and let them know that they are heard um and that it's you know that 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 their struggle is respected right you know um and and i know that you know you've kind of really taken this conversation about water you know into your own hands right um and and you've definitely made me drink more water consistently (laughs) because it's so helpful um right but tell me about that. You know, what have you really learned about water and how it actually impacts our health? Whew, there's so much. This is like loaded question. Um, I had to bring it back down to like the basics of, of everything, I guess. Uh, simplest way to answer is that water uh, holds energy and water has structure. And I think it's really important. Those two, two things are really important. Um, and the water that we have today, uh, well, first, let me say, we are 75 to 80% water as well as the earth is 75 to 80% water. So as a being, as, in, as a, you know, world, we are, like we are literally water. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, but the, this water that we have access to today, uh, specifically, you know, just through our systems and through the tap water and the water systems become so unregulated and, uh, so full of pollution and, uh, chemicals and fluoride and chlorine and, you know, all these things that are really, really not good for us. Um, and it's, it's, it's overflowing with this. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't even know about that. I was drinking tap water for most of my life. Um, and this, this water has a very distorted structure because of all of these additives. Um, and kind of almost like a, it's not, it's not even a structure at this point. It's more like a big blob. If we're talking on like a micro level, it's like a big blob of things. Um, and what I found is that there are certain ways that we can restructure um, our water molecules so that they can, you know, do what they, pro- they really need to do in our bodies and what they were intentionally, uh, in t- like what they were intended to do in, t- in our bodies. Um, and I think that restructuring process of water is what, uh, we're lacking. Um, yeah, because of 
everything that's <laughs> everything that's uh, been added to our water uh, just through the process of cleaning it. And I just, it, it's become very, 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 very unregulated um, across the world. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's really important as we talked about organics, putting it, putting what's real back into your system. Right. Right. Returning to origin. So I guess my follow-up question to that would be how have you managed to get, um, you know, purified, clean water that doesn't have some of those um, additives? Um, so it's been a long time coming. I uh, have been through this journey and process of like water and understanding it and understanding what's, you know, helpful for me. Um, a lot of trial and error, as you could imagine. But uh, finally, I found uh, something that is so amazing. And it is actually a water ionizer, which um, is the process, what I was talking about, of actually restructuring that water. So it goes a lot further than uh, just removing those chemicals um, and those additives. Uh, there is a filter, but it's really not a filter. I mean, there is a filter, but the, the purpose of the machine is to ionize the water and to produce what is known as electrically reduced water. Um, and basically what that is, is, you know, it's, it's taken through this machine. And if you think about like a, a lake in nature and electricity, I mean, not electricity, lightning, well, which is electricity, <laughs> strikes the lake, um, what you'll get is electrically reduced water, water that holds this charge. Um, and through a series of chemical reactions that occurs as this water is traveling through electricity um, and the combination of H2O with electricity um, puts an, gives an output of there, it restructures the water molecule um, and it, it changes it. Um, and with that, there is a thing called active hydrogen that is added, which is H2. Um, hydrogen is the lightest and the most abundant element, if you think about the periodic table. And um, because of that, it is able to pass and travel and move in every part of our body. Uh, most importantly, the, the blood-brain barrier, which most mostly everything can't get through because it doesn't have the molecular structure and the size and the weight uh, to travel through this blood-brain barrier. Um, and what this active hydrogen does is it acts as an antioxidant in our body. And, um, you know, everyone has heard of antioxidants. Um, really what that is, is antioxidizing agent. Um, and oxidation is a process that occurs in our body when we are exposed to what I call, or what, you know, it's not what I call, um, what is called free radicals. Um, this also happens, you know, with like fruit and vegetables. If you leave them out and they kind of turn that brownie color, like that's the process of oxidation and that's occurring in our body. Um, so this active hydrogen acts as an antioxidation agent, um, an antioxidant um, in our bodies. Oxidation is a process that occurs when we are exposed to free radicals and free radicals are basically um, a, you know, an atom or cell with a missing electron. It's an unstable molecule, unstable. So it's like not super healthy. It's not super functional in the body. And these are created with exposure to like environmental pollutants and um, EMFs and pretty much just like 
if you just walk outside, like you're going to be exposed to free radicals just in the world that we live in, the pollution, um, the foods that we eat, the pesticides, stress, emotional and physical stress, this causes a buildup of free radicals. And what happens is these antioxidants that come in this active hydrogen, and this is getting really sciencey. So if you're not, <laughs> if you're not understanding, it's okay. Um, and basically these antioxidants can come in and neutralize these free radicals, these free radicals that are completely unstable. Um, and, and, and a buildup of these unstable free radicals in our body is what causes oxidative stress, um, which, which is what causes oxidation and therefore is the root cause of all inflammation and disease and sickness and illness. So if we're able to, you know, neutralize these free radicals and therefore diminish the oxidation process and therefore diminish the oxidative stress and the inflammation that's occurring in our bodies and also in the brain, as I mentioned, the blood brain barrier, it's able to get in, which is a huge, um, has a huge effect on mental health, which is really interesting as well. Um, then we're able to do really, really crazy things for our body and uh, slow down the aging process of ourselves and keep our immunity high and uh, really just diminish inflammation, which is really the cause of so many, you know, uh, disease, diseases that start developing as time moves forward, as we continuously have an exposure to these uh, pollutants and these environmental toxins that we are exposed to on a daily basis living in 2021. Have you, have you found that as a result, your own mental health has gotten much better um, by, totally. by using, you know, more organic ingredients that you're consuming? Totally. I think that what you're putting in your body has a direct correlation to both how you're feeling physically. And I would say even more importantly, mentally, um, I had struggled with, panic disorder and uh, anxiety well, disorder. I don't, I, I hate that term, but <laughs> panic and anxiety uh, for most of my life, all of my life. Um, and since starting to drink this water and I, I, it's, of course, it's a combination of the water that I drink and the food that I eat and sure. you know what I'm doing and the exercise, right. The food right. there, you know, it's a whole, it's everything. It's a circle of things. Right. Um, but I think that the water in particular, it's this like steak in the middle. It's, you know, that, that's who we are. 75% of us is water. So all of these other things that we try to do, you know, eating, eating really healthy and organic and also making sure that we're getting movement we're getting sunshine, we're getting sleep and all of these things. If, if you have that water taken care of and you're, and you're giving yourself the best it can be in that realm, then it makes all those other little things that you're doing really come full circle and able to bump up to like that hundred percent and to be able to be used, uh, you know, to its, to the fullest extent. So yeah, I, I have completely, uh, not, you know, completely removed myself from, from this anxious, uh, mentality and, I mean, the difference has been insane. I would say I'm, <laughs> I have, I have like had maybe two or three panic episodes in about nine months now where I used to have them, I'd say two to three, two to four times a week. So, you know, the changes, yeah, it's, it's drastic, uh, for me personally. And I've heard many of testimonies that, uh, you know, it's been similar for other people. So 
if you're struggling with mental health, uh, in, in particular or anything physical, but you know, in this case more mentally, and you don't think that there's a way out and you just think, you know, I'm just, this is just how it's going to be. I got to learn to deal with this for the rest of my life. I just, that's just who I am. You know, you kind of come to that, like, all right, that's just how it's going to be forever. Like, that's cool. We'll live with it. We'll, you know, deal with it. Cause we have to, we don't have a choice. Right. Um, but there are things and there are lifestyle changes uh, and habits that we can create to really make a difference in our, in, uh, in how we're feeling every day. So, yeah. So much of it is about, about our habits. So much of it is about those little votes we take, those little steps we take to get to the right, yeah, you know, to, yeah to put ourselves on the right path and, and put ourselves in that, that right direction. And, and I think everybody's path is going to be different. Totally. But totally. there's, there's also so much we can learn from one another and, and, you know, what we can learn from one leap of faith, we can apply to our own lives to give us the courage to take our own leap of faith. And, right. and a leap of faith doesn't have to be so grand as, you know, moving to a new, yeah. it's, it's the little things. It's the small right. leaps of faith every day that eventually Build bring up. us to yeah. the big, bigger ones. Yeah, exactly. It can be the smallest of things and it can really make the biggest of difference. And it's all like a compounding effect um, and not being so, so in need of like results right away, um, getting hooked on that, like, kind of like the whole like oh i'm gonna do an ab workout like do i have a six pack yet you know like that's right have wanting those results and you know in this society and culture like we you know we are uh kind of conditioned to want results now want results fast um but but learning to enjoy that process and like you said taking the small leaps of faith every single day and making the small choices and knowing that you know your your small steps of growth are going to lead you somewhere great and you're already at somewhere great now um it's just a continuous path of moving higher and uh being the best possible version of yourself and just adding to that every single day i think is uh yeah, I think it's a beautiful process and just learning to trust that process and enjoy that process and just enjoy the ride along the way is, is awesome. And that's why being present instead of being focused on the past right. or the future is so important because you kind of shift the mindset and think about what can I do today? What can I do in the now right. to eventually get to wherever it is I want to go? Yeah, exactly. But also you know, working, working for what you want, but uh, really showing gratitude for what you have and enjoying what you have, enjoying life where you're at, but always putting in a little bit of work to uh, be that better person or learn that new thing or cultivate that new relationship. Uh, yeah, it's all important. It's all part of the journey, but love where you are now because you're never gonna get this moment and this thought and this breath ever again, so. Yeah, that's all we have. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you imparted a lot of wisdom that I think a lot of us probably needed to hear. And um, I'm so excited to continue watching you grow and continue this conversation offline. So Yeah, totally. Same to you. Hey. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Simple Stories Podcast. As always, a big shout out and thank you to our very special guest for joining us today. And I'd love to hear how you like the episode. You can find me on Twitter at Max G. Lieberman. 
or send me an email at thesimplebrand at gmail.com. If you did enjoy the episode, I'd love for you to leave a review at the Apple Store iTunes podcast section. It certainly helps me keep producing the show, and I'd love to hear any feedback, comments, or any, any, anything you might um, like to share about the show. I really look forward to hearing from you.